There are a lot of specialties within the very broad vocation of software engineering, and all of them are hard to do. Distributed systems engineering is one corner of the discipline that poses a particular set of challenges. What's it like to build a distributed system? What special problems arise? How do you land a job doing it? And that's the conversation on today's episode of Streaming Audio, a podcast about Kafka, Confluent, and the cloud. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Streaming Audio. I am your host, Tim Berglund, and I'm joined here today by my colleague, Jason Gustafson. Jason, welcome to Streaming Audio. Thanks for having me, Tim. You bet. Jason, what do you do uh, at, at Confluent or in open source? What, what's your work like? Yeah, so at uh, Confluent, I'm part of uh, what we call our Kafka core engineering team. And uh, our focus is really on, um, you know, uh, developing Apache Kafka. And um, so the, our focus specifically uh, is on uh, the broker side. So um, the storage layer, the replication layer, like how, how are we replicating the data between uh, the different brokers? And we also focus on the, um, you know, developing the uh, standard clients that uh, come with uh, Apache Kafka. So most of our work um, is, is just within the Apache community. Oh, nice. So you, you work at Confluent, but you're primarily a, like a, a, an open source Kafka developer. Yeah, that's right. Cool. Um, what's, uh, what I really want to talk about today is uh, what it's like to be a distributed systems engineer. So I don't so much want to deep dive on Kafka internals. Um, I mean, I know... I, I would, I would enjoy that conversation a lot. I know that's the thing you can do, but I kind of want to just see what it's like uh, to have the kind of job you have. There's a lot of different ways of being a developer, uh, and you're one of them. And I would just like to talk to you about that. So uh, having said that, uh, I, I kind of would like to get an idea of like, what's a thing that you've been working on in in Kafka recently? What's a, what's a, a feature that you've been building? Sure. Yeah, I can give you some background on that. Um, yeah, and I'll just I'll just mention mention one thing. Um, so uh, historically, uh, Kafka, you know, we have a replication protocol. Um, there, you have a number of replicas. Among those replicas, you choose a leader, and uh, all of your reads and writes go to that leader. So what we've been working on, you know, it's kind of been a, a proposal that's kind of been sitting around in the community for quite a while. Um, you know, people wonder why can't you have uh, reading go to uh, some of the other replicas? And uh, the reason why that's interesting is because, you know, we have a lot of multi-data center deployments of Kafka and, uh, you know, cross DC traffic is expensive. And uh, so if you can, if you can read from uh, one of the other replicas, you know, maybe one that's close, then um, you can potentially save quite a lot of costs. So, um, you know, obviously this is interesting to us in our, in our cloud product, but it's a lot of interesting, you know, it's interesting to our users as well who are trying to run in these kind of scenarios. So, you know, we, we put out a uh, proposal in the community, um, which, you know, got adopted. And, um, you know, we've been working on uh, uh, getting that code into place. So it involves, you know, ch changing um, the way that the consumer behaves because it has to understand, um, you know, how, how, how close the replicas are relative to itself. 
um, and he has to change the you know the the broker uh, semantics as well. You know, there, and you know we, we could we could get pretty deep in this. I know you don't want to, but that you know there are a lot of uh, subtle details to getting this all working, um, such as you know you're reading from a replica it means that um, you know you're not as you know you're not as far ahead in the replication. Um, but how do we ensure that um, you know we can we can still reason about the system? So right. um, yeah, no, that's, but, that's been yeah. Believe me, I do I do want to get into it. We we have other things to talk about, but. Sure. Uh, so I, I will regretfully leave that because I mean it sounds like there are interesting consistency problems that are going to emerge there and uh, the, yeah that, that's right but the main thing is just about um, saving costs um, yeah right yeah. Uh, to in in multi DC deployments and that affects uh, obviously the broker but it seems like a lot of that would be on the client side so the Java client and my guess is Libardi Kafka uh, both need to grow to make this happen. Yeah, as well as the other uh, client clients that uh, the, you know supported in the community. Um, but yes, that's right. I think the way we did it actually is we we kind of pushed um, a lot of the decision making to uh, the broker side. So from the client's perspective, they can kind of identify themselves and where they are. But the broker is kind of the one that makes the decisions. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So and it, it's I guess like a whole kind of the cluster topology model has has uh, grown up a little bit here to make this work. Yeah, that's right. Like suddenly, suddenly we have to know and care where things are. That's pretty cool. Do you also in your work, uh, you mentioned Confluent has a cloud service. Uh, I hope that's not a surprise to anyone listening, but if it is, Hey, everybody, Confluent has a cloud service, confluent.cloud. Check it out today. Um, that, sorry, it's uh, embedded commercial there, but yeah, we have a cloud service and that cloud service uses uh, you know, is is hosted Kafka plus hosted Confluent platform things. Do you do anything uh, outside of your core Apache Kafka broker work? Uh, do any cloud problems ever come your way? And you have to think about those things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we spend a lot of time, um, you know, we're, we're developing, um, you know, in uh, Apache Kafka and, uh, you know, attempting to make it uh, work better in, in, in situations such as what we have, um, you know, and there are other people that are trying to run uh, Kafka in a, a cloud service as well. That makes sense for uh, Apache Kafka in general to be, um, you know, more cloud native. And so I think there are a few different problems there, um, you know, related to, you know, multi-tenancy making sure, you know, oftentimes uh, usage of Kafka is multi-tenant and we've got different, uh, you know, you may have different teams that are all trying to work on the same cluster and you need to make sure that um, they can all do so without, you know, stomping on each other's feet. So, for example, this means, um, you know, implementing uh, quotas uh, so that you can uh, limit the utilization from any, any particular user. Um, and there are also, um, you know, uh, data balancing problems. Um, so as you're, as you're trying to run Kafka, you're trying to grow it, um, grow usage of it. And so that means that you kind of got to, um, move, uh, move the data around, um, when you need to grow. Um, uh, so yeah, we're, we're focused on, um, you know, addressing some of these problems as well. Nice. Yeah. It, it has occurred to me, uh, and I'm not, uh, as you know, not a core Kafka engineer, but it has occurred to me that if you look at the time Kafka grew up when it, when it was born, um, it's not like the cloud wasn't a thing, but the cloud wasn't a thing like it is now. I mean, you had S3, you had EC2. Um, I'd have to, you know, look at a timeline, but there are probably a you know, small number of other Amazon services that were in existence and, and people did that. You had Google app engine back then, you know, people were using the cloud, but it was in what by today's standards looks like a very primitive way. And the, the notion of a cloud native application, nobody said that 
it, and in fact, it was this sort of painful time of taking all of our sort of classical on-prem architecture and deployment disciplines and saying, well, let's put that in EC2. And, you know, it was, it was, it was difficult. And Kafka, there are some, some core design decisions inside Kafka that reflect that time period. And it sounds like what part of what you're doing is uh, participating in the process of reconsidering those design decisions for the kinds of truly cloud native deployment architectures or, you know, deployment situations we have today. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when, when Kafka was developed at um, LinkedIn initially, you've got you have a generally much more, um, uh, you know, cooperative environment. You, you kind of know the teams that are using your system. And um, so, you know, multi-tenancy uh, and this, this kind of problems about like, uh, you know, especially in a cloud service, you know, we're not at the forefront of uh, a lot of the design decisions. Um, so, you know, now, now you take a, um, you know, a system which has, has matured, at least from, um, you know, like an operational or performance perspective um, and trying to uh, implement, um, you know, some limitations in place for uh, multi-tenant environments. Yeah. Awesome. What, um, what makes Kafka interesting to work on to you? Yeah, Kafka has, um, you know, from a, distributed systems perspective, uh, it has just about everything. Um, so, you know, at the heart of a lot of uh, distributed systems is a, uh, you know, a log replication protocol. So, for example, uh, you know, uh, consensus is usually based on uh, log replication. Um, so Kafka, of course, that's like at the heart of Kafka. Is Kafka the, is one. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we, the log replication is is basically the, the really the core, and we, you could, you could say that's really like the focus of our team is really that log replication layer, and um, you know building on top of that um, are you know it, it's already a uh, quite a difficult model. You think a log, which is a simple data structure, but when you get down to it and you start um, you know looking at uh, the subtleties that come in, when, the fact that it's a distributed system, and the different kind of semantics um, that you're trying to achieve, exactly one semantics, for example, um, then it, you know. It, it's it's quite com complex and uh, quite interesting as well. Um, you know, turn, turning a lot of this, it's in, you know, log compaction, for example, is another one, which um, you know adds a lot of complexity and a lot of um, you know interesting uh, design trade offs. What let's take that. Let's take log compaction. Um, what makes it hard? It when I so and I, I ask I pick it because when I think of log compaction, I think of that as um, really a single broker proposition that it's just running in one place and. I know, you know, I, I'm, I'm aware of some of the distributed things that are going on in a coffee cluster, of course, but I don't think of that as one of them. So what, what makes it hard? Yeah, I, I can give you, um, you know, one, one example, and this, this is more about, you know, so you, you really have to think about, um, you know, when you're talking about a distributed system, the clients are part of your distributed system as well. Um, and you need to be able to uh, reason about what the clients are doing in addition to uh, what the, the servers are doing. So just to give you, you know, one example of that, you know, the compaction process is basically, you know, going through the log and uh, cleaning up um, old entries for each given key and, um, you know, we, we've got a notion of, you know, you, you can write a null record. That means it's uh, the, the, the entry is being uh, deleted. So, but one, one subtlety is, um, you know, if you think about a consumer, which is reading from the middle of the log, and meanwhile, you've got the cleaner that's trying to clean it up. So you may have situations where the consumer sees a record, um, but then, you know, the cleaner kind of notices that it had been 
deleted and even maybe will remove the tombstone for it. So in that case, if you're trying to follow along as a consumer, you may see um, a record which had already been deleted, but you never see the deletion. So um, you get into kind of an inconsistent state. So there, there are a lot of, uh, you know, subtle details like that. And exactly when semantics adds like a, you know, a whole, whole new set of wrinkles where, you know, that um, you're, you're trying to reason about, um, you've got data in the, in, the, uh, in the log, which is either part of a committed transaction or an aborted transaction. And uh, you're, you're trying to, uh, you know, clean it at the same time while reasoning about all of this. Um, uh, does that, does that give you kind of a, a hint? Absolutely. It does. Yeah. And, and, you know, you started it with, uh, clients are part of the distributed system and that's a good reminder. And it's in all of those scenarios you were just walking through there. It seems like it's the state of the client that makes it hard. Uh, you know, yeah, other, I think, otherwise. yeah, I think that's right. For compaction in particular, it's really that just the fact that you've got this uh, consumer, which is reading from really an arbitrary part of the log, um, but still trying to, you know, maintain the, the semantics, the, the log compaction uh, semantics. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's funny because when I asked that question, I was, I absolutely had a completely broker centric view of the, you said log compaction. I'm thinking of, oh, come on, a broker just does that. And then replication happens like normal. How hard is that? But <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, actually real hard because there's all this other state out in the world about the thing that you're changing. And, and that's, uh, that's clients. So um, excellent reminder, the clients are a part of the distributed system. Yeah, it, it is. It is fair that um, you know, from the perspective of the replication, anyway, there's, um, you know, the the log compaction is is kind of handled at at you know, individual broker layer. So, you know, most of the complexity is not not really, uh, you know, any new any new wrinkles on the replication itself. Right. Right. Um, how about you? How uh, I want to ask you how you got into. Uh, distributed systems engineering, and if maybe if you might take the long view of that question, like uh, what was your educational preparation, and you know what what was your career progression up to this point? If you don't if you don't mind uh, talking a little bit about you, but how does one get into this sort of role? And your story is just your story, so if you're listening, this isn't the template for how to do it, but this is how one person did it. Yeah, sure. You, um, um, yeah, sure. Excuse me. Um, so I, yeah, I didn't, I wouldn't say, you know, when I was in, in college that I, I had a vision that I was one day going to be working on distributed systems. Um, you know, uh, I, I thought about it a bit more, um, you know, when I was in uh, graduate school, but still, you know, not, not necessarily something that I, I, w I was setting out to do. Um, you know, prior to uh, Confluent, I was, I was part of a, uh, a startup um, called Gaikai. We were, we were, we were building game streaming. Um, but we were, we were dealing with a lot of, uh, you know, game streaming, basically this is, this is sort of like Netflix in the cloud for games. Um, right. So the so, game so, runtime is executing in the cloud and streaming video to you and you're streaming inputs back to it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think, um, you know, so the problems that we were dealing with, uh, you know, obviously latency is, is always the big question for this. And, uh, so you kind of have to, you're running a multi-data center, uh, environment in the first place and you're, you're trying to figure out how do you, how do you get the user as close as possible to, you know, someplace where they can play and have, have tolerable, uh, latency. Right. Uh, so, you know, in, in, in this process, we, we were building this infrastructure to enable this. And, uh, you know, we were also um, quite heavy Kafka users. Uh, and, 
uh, that's sort of how I became uh, familiar with Kafka and uh, familiar with uh, the company. Um, but you know, we 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 were dealing with these these distributed problems. I'd say like most of these problems were, um, you know, not not as stateful as as Kafka itself. So I wouldn't say like when I when I joined Confluent that I was already you know prepped and ready for all of the problems that we were going to face. Um, it's more like you know I had I had some background uh, in uh, you know understanding what the problem space was, um, but I had to you know learn quite a lot from um, the other engineers who are here uh, in order to um, you know know be able to contribute. About about Kafka and internal. Yeah, about 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 Kafka and about uh, you know stateful distributed applications. I think there, you know, we we've done a, a lot of a lot of distributed systems previously, um, but largely these these were um, you know stateless. So and and you know often in stateless systems, um, they're 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 much simpler. You know, oftentimes you can kind of restart them if anything goes wrong. Um, but you know stateful applications and persistent applications like like Kafka, they've got this whole other um, you know problem space that you've you've got this on disk state that um, you know when you're starting up you don't know what that is, and you, so you, you and and you're you're trying to uh, you know reason about the system and, and at, at, a, at a you know much lower level I guess and. Um, uh, so you've got this persistent state that, and you've got other, rep, uh, you know, um, other nodes out there which also have some persistent state, and you're trying to get to some kind of, um, you know, convergent position on what the current state of the system is. It's, um, you know, for for me anyway, it it took quite a lot of uh, learning from, um, you know, inside the Apache Kafka community and also from the other engineers here at Confluent to to get to that point. Yeah, that's right. And I, I guess um, I would add. Uh, St stateful systems that are dealing with mutable state because um, one of the nice things that kafka gives at the at its api level you know like what it exposes to a developer building business software on top of kafka or something like that um, it presents this abstraction of these logs of immutable events mm -hmm. uh, and so the user of kafka gets to re reason about uh, these immutable things and that is a tremendous simplifying assumption but of course inside a broker uh ain't nothing immutable about a topic you know people are <laughs> writing to them all the time uh and if they're if they're compacted then they they change by themselves even if you don't write to them you know so uh, yeah that's a good point i think uh, that's a you know looking at it from the perspective of the user you know most mostly one of the advantages is that you do have this Im immutable log um but you know presenting that picture on the broker side uh has a whole host of challenges Exactly. You do that backbreaking work so Kafka users don't have to. Uh, they should tweet you and say thank you. But uh, <laughs> seriously, that's the game streaming. Out of curiosity, how how long ago was that? Yeah, uh, that was um, uh, I want to say five years ago. You know, it, ultimately we were we were bought by uh, Sony, and that became the PlayStation Now service. Okay, that's fascinating. All right, and uh, I always want to say for posterity, we're recording this in the middle of 2019. So, uh, um, I was going to say, game streaming five years ago was uh, was super ahead of its time because all that stuff is, you know, from the the consuming public is kind of just coming online and and becoming a thing people do uh, now. So, super cool that you did that. Um, so one one thing I um. Uh, a, a thing I, I want to avoid is uh, setting up some kind of hierarchy like distributed systems engineering is the cool kind 
and you know, uh, lowly front end React work is the not cool kind of work. I, I don't see the world that way. I think all kinds of software engineering is, you know, has the capability of pushing human beings to their intellectual limits and and personal limits. You know, it's it's hard work to do to translate uh, ideas out in the world into things that machines can do. Um, so having said that, what do you think makes distributed systems engineering different from other kinds of software engineering? Uh, like, like I, when I worked as a developer, um, we, uh, didn't really say full stack engineer back then, but I mean, I, I was a full stack Java developer, web developer. What makes distributed systems engineering different from that? Do you think? Yeah, I think, um, you know, d- d- full stack, obviously, like you, you need to be good at a lot of different areas. Um, so distributed systems, you, you need much more focused. Um, so in distributed stateful systems we were just talking about, um, you, you, you just, you need to understand, um, you know, the operating system at a very low level. How is, how are the, you know, disks actually working and uh, what guarantees are you getting from them? And then, you know, distributed systems are, are difficult in the sense that, um, you, you know, you're, you're always kind of, uh, trying to adapt to a moving state. So the state of the system itself is evolving and you're kind of seeing like notifications mostly after something has happened. Um, so, you know, and if, you, if you're talking about like designing an application, which is, um, you know, on, on a, single, a single machine, um, you know, or even to take it at an extreme, like a single thread, you, you've got all the state in one place and you don't need to have, you, you know, nothing else is modifying it. You take that to multi-threads and uh, you've got, you know, you, you still have some operations that uh, are some primitives that give you some re- ways to reason about that, such as, um, you know, like mutex or semaphores, stuff like this. Um, now, if you take that even further and you go to a distributed system, now you, then your primitives, like you, there's no there's no kind of like lock that you can use to make sure that you're synchronized. So mostly you're dealing with, you know, an asynchronous operations. And uh, so the, the state of the system, the state of other nodes are, are moving all over the place and you're always trying to uh, react to those. Um, so it's it's like it's a very different mindset, and um, you have to uh, think about uh, you know like the, the low level as I was saying about the operating system, um, and this is like the stateful part of it. But then the distributed part of it is just you know reasoning reasoning about these these uh, you know the moving state of the system and um, de- designing protocols which uh, let you do so in a safely w- in a safe way. Um, so I, I think you know it's. It, I think it's mostly just a difference in in focus. I think you know for for example, a, a front end engineer is, is is probably thinking a lot about um, user experience, and uh, you know what what how how should people interact with the system. You know we're we're thinking about that at a different layer as well. So we're thinking about um, the APIs that we're exposing to users, and uh, you know what semantics are actually achievable, and what semantics are usable. Uh, and getting, getting like you know, finding the nice nexus where you've got both usable and achievable is is always the uh, desirable, you know, the, the the goal. Yeah, you keep talking about state, and so would you summarize your view of distributed systems engineering as, uh, you know, a discipline wherein you reason about state that is running on, on uh, you know, multiple unsynchronized processors? Yeah, I think that's a fair way to look at it. I think you, you know you, you're the state is it's a distributed state, and and mostly um, the, the goal is to to reason about that state, and um, you know given kind of 
the, the hard thing is always that there there's a propagation delays and so something happens on like a broker crashes it takes some some time for that uh that event to be processed on everyone that needs to know about it and uh the, you know the, the really tricky thing is just the fact that by the time that you've processed it you know it may be that the state has actually evolved into something else so the the broker may have been restarted so uh, y- your protocols need to kind of protect from all of these different edge cases where you, you you think the state is one way but it's actually some other way um, and you 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 your events can be uh, received in the wrong order, uh, so you have to uh, spend a lot more time with, um, you know, val- validating the protocols to make sure that they're giving you the guarantees that you want, and making sure that they're also simple enough to reason about. You know, I spend a lot of time, um, you know, look, looking at uh, different different bugs that have popped up, and uh, there there just there's so many things in a distributed system that. Um, can go wrong or happen in um, unanticipated ways. So, um, you know, we, we think about often the happy paths, um, but for a distributed system, you know, happy paths, um, you know, it's not going to get you very far. And you really need to be thinking about, you know, the corner cases. And even even I would say, you know, you, you reach the point pretty quick where just thinking about it is is not good enough. And uh, so you, you need more formal validations. Um, and basically, like you're you're trying to hit the system with as many possible states as possible, as close to the code as possible, um, and in order to you know verify that it actually works. Yeah, uh, you mentioned that. Uh, yeah, I forget exactly how you put it, but you know, things that things that might seem like they're not hard are hard in distributed systems. And uh, I tell people this. I give a lot of talks at conferences and meetups and things like that. That's a, a big part of what I do. And I tell people, and I, I play it as a joke, right? It's supposed to be a joke, and sometimes people laugh, and sometimes they don't. Um, maybe it's not great material, but I always say. Look, if you can possibly not build distributed systems, don't. And I'm talking to a group of application developers who are, say, building microservices on Kafka. Now, they're not building distributed systems infrastructure like you are, but they are, to your earlier point, you know, the clients count as distributed systems. Those are distributed systems developers. Uh, They get to use infrastructure that hides a lot of ugly from them, but they're living the life. And I, I tell them, look, get a job where you can write a little bit of Python that runs on one core and owns the file system and you'll go home at 3 p.m. and have plenty <laughs> of time for hobbies and you just lead a better life. Just go do that. You know, this kind of bucolic <laughs> country sort of thing. Um, nobody ever takes me up on that, but, and I, I know, I know you wouldn't. Um, yeah, and actually, but, but, I'm going to ask you why in a minute. But uh, go on. I was, I was just going to say, yeah, there, there's just these, the, you know, these these trade offs from you know ha- having monoliths versus having uh, microservices, and that you know the the advantage of monoliths is that you know they're they're easier. Um, you know, at least at least from some perspective. So from the perspective of uh, you know testing them, they're often easier. Um, you know, you've got kind of in, in some sense, you've got all the state in front of you. Um, whereas in a distributed system, the state is kind of always behind you. you you're, you're, you're trying to think about the things that happened already. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's easier. Um, you know, there, and the, there are other concerns as well. Like, like you, you know, sometimes you create microservices just from you know, scaling your application perspective, like just being able to scale it both organizationally and um, scale it both uh, like uh, just in terms of uh, performance and such, right? And I, I, I think managing complexity hopefully is the hopefully is the big driver there. Mm-hmm. But 
Um, yeah, a few things. And there's something that you said that I want to uh, come back to if I can, if I can uh, bring it back to mind. It was about state. Yeah. So it's distributed systems engineering uh, of the kind that you do is uh, this process of managing state. And you kind of said that the state is all over the system. There, in other words, there are all of these opinions about what is true right now. And each one of the, even the word now is a little bit fraught here, right? Like yeah, that's right. everybody has a clock and, and some concept of what time it is, but um, you don't really, you know, there is no sort of divine omniscient perspective that you're able to take. You just kind of have to fight it out among all of these imperfect views of what time it is and what's true. Um, yeah, and often the goal is actually to introduce, you know, some some notion of a logical clock where you're 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 reasoning about the system in a consistent way across the distributed systems, even given um, you know disparities in times and such. Right, and we, a logical clock meaning a, a predictable sequence of events and not an account of quote unquote what time it is. Yeah, more more like uh, you know, like a Lamport clock, for example, where it's it's just like a, a sequential number, which everyone agrees that you know one number happened before another number. Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, the, the question of the wall clock time is is you know maybe a thing that you can employ, but it's um, it, it's a slippery concept in a system like Kafka because everybody has their own. Yeah, that's right. Um. And I, so like one, one more final thought on that is that um, really, I guess what you're doing, if your view of distributed systems engineering is this uh, coming to consensus on state, uh, the, the job of the infrastructure you deliver, that is Apache Kafka, is to present a view to the client, to the user of the system, as if there is this one correct account of what is true. Uh, there's like this froth in the middle uh, in in the system of everybody kind of arguing and and trying to make progress on consensus about what's true right now. But when you look in from the outside, it's just this nice, shiny kind of glass and stainless steel edifice that gives you an answer. And it's a predictable answer. And you don't need to know anything about what's going on inside the building. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think, um, you know, and there, there's kind of a difference between... Um, you know some of the details which even even uh, the clients are kind of hiding from the application. So, um, you know, for for example, um, in, in we have a uh, metadata API, and this is basically what the client uses to say, um, you know, like for a given topic partition, where's where's the current leader? Where should I go to get the data? Now you can get that view of the metadata from any broker out there. And the thing is that they're not always consistent. And you may fetch from one broker and see that the leader is, you know, uh, node one. Then you fetch from another broker, you see it's node two. So who's correct? Um, so, you know, we, we have to kind of build, um, you know, sometimes, oftentimes in, in cases like this, um, you, you know, you're, you're kind of exp uh, exposing our internal logical clock so that the client can reason about this. But from the perspective of an application which is uh, using the client, of course, you're not aware that any of this is going on um, behind the scenes. Really, all you're seeing is, um, you know, you subscribe to a topic, you fetch some data. Um, and all the details about how it happens is is under the surface. Right. As it should be. Uh, a surface that you provide. So if somebody uh, wanted to do this, like if they thought distributed systems infrastructure sounded attractive, um, 
what advice would you give them? Like what's a good way to prepare? How do you get a job doing this kind of stuff? Um, how do you get in? Um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if I have a great answer for it. I think, uh, you know, if you're interested in it, um, you know, the, the, definitely there's, there's some, um, literature, the, some background literature. I wouldn't say it's like required, but it's useful to have, um, you know, the, a lot of, a lot of the, the, you know, key results from distributed system, they go way back. Um, I mean like 30, 40 years back, um, that you don't have to know all of that. I think mainly, um, you know, come in, uh, you know, if, for example, if, if you want to work at, at Confluent, um, you know, we come in and you just expect to learn. And, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of that I learned while I was, um, you know, from, from other people who had a lot of experience. Um, and I think as long as you come, come in with an open mind, um, you're ready and you understand that what you're getting yourself into, like that this, this really is hard problem. And, um, there, there are often, you know, no, no silver bullets, really. It's about, um, you know, finding the acceptable trade-offs, but you know, come in with, with an open mind and uh, willingness to learn um, and, you know, possibly do some, some um, background uh, research. Um, and, I, and I think, you, you know, you'd, you'd do fine. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's, it really needs to be much more than that. And that, that's mostly what we look for in, in a lot of, um, you know, new people is just, you know, kind of a willingness to learn. That's uh, well said about trade-offs. Um, as I say, in, in any engineering discipline, there aren't any solutions. There are only trade-offs. Um, and that's, you know, you kind of have to have the maturity to, to know uh, when, how to make them well. Yeah, I think in distributed systems also. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I think um, the you know, the the other thing is just you know there there are some problems which are actually you know like provably impossible. So it's obviously useful to kind of have an, an understanding or at least an intuition about what those problems are, so that you're not you know wasting a lot of time. Um, so then that gets you kind of closer to what you know the trade offs are that you can that are actually possible. So you know trade offs which are impossible are not so useful to reason about. Right, right. So you should know things. Uh, if this is a, a discipline you want to get into, there are some of those famous results. Like, well, like you know, you said impossible. There's actually the the FLP impossibility result. Um, mm -hmm. That's a nice thing to know about. Like, you should understand, particularly for a, a system like this, um, you know, the atomic broadcast problem and what what is provably not doable. Um, and there's like that small small list of the big results. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, that that would be good background, but you wouldn't say that, for example, a, a PhD in uh, distributed systems is not required to do this kind of work. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, um, we 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 definitely don't expect that. We we just expect that people come in and um, you know they're, they're willing to kind of like it, we, you know with any. Kafka is a, a complex system, uh, like like any system like this. Um, you you have to start small, and you, you know when you're initially uh, working on a, a very small part of it, and over time you kind of uh, grow the things that you understand, that you think you understand well, and that you can work on, and then be, and then you reach a point where you know you can actually um, you know reason about the system, uh, you know the full system, and uh, kind of the core improvements about it. Um, but it takes time. It does. It does indeed. And uh, to be fair, there there isn't a small number of PhDs on the engineering team at Confluent, but no, that's not not a requirement. Um, there's uh, there's plenty of ways to be good at this. Other than that, yeah, and and even um, you know we you know so, some PhDs on our team, I, I wouldn't say their focus in was actually um, distributed systems. So um, you know probably what they've actually seen before coming to Confluent may be more like um, you know you know. Maybe some some work uh, from uh, 
you know, more like master's equivalent type work in distributed systems. Gotcha. Um, so most of them, I think, you know, they're often still having to learn quite a lot. Cool. Uh, PhD is in literary theory, not uh, not not computer science. No. <laughs> All right, I'm going to have several coworkers angry at me now. Uh, everybody with PhD, I love you. And I know it's in computer science. Uh, okay, so w when you do interview, just to ask more directly, I, I assume you, you get assigned to interview applicants. What kind of stuff do you look for? Yeah, we, you know, we, we look for, um, you know, I think the first thing is, uh, you know, we understand uh, people are coming in with uh, different backgrounds. Um, so if you're coming out of uh, college, for example, we're, we're, we're just not expecting that um, you, you have a lot of system uh, experience working in a system like Kafka. We're expecting really that, um, you know, you're, you're going to need to be able to uh, grow on the job. Um, whereas if you're coming in and you, you've got 10 years of experience and you've already been doing a lot of this stuff, or, you know, obviously we expect you to know it. Um, so uh, it, it depends quite a lot on your background. I would say like, um, you know, aside from that, you know, we're, we're looking for, um, you know, people that we want to work with um, and, you know, people who we think we're going to collaborate well with. Um, so it's always good in an interview, you know, you, you can establish a, a, you know, a good rapport fairly quickly. Um, and, you know, in all, all these systems, um, when you're doing designs, when you're doing uh, code reviews, you know you're you're working with 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 people, and, and you need to be able to uh, work with people, and that's always like kind of a, a give and take. So, um, you know, some someone makes a suggestion, and and you know you 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 spend some time thinking about it, and you may not agree with it, and you, but you explain yourself, um, and sometimes you, you know you you agree with it, and uh, you change yourself. So, I think we 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 kind of expect that people are you know in general good listeners, and um, it feedback and uh you know if taking feedback doesn't just mean that you you do what we say it, it means more that you think about it um and you, you you come to your 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 own conclusion so we're looking for that i think you know and a lot of this stuff is is extremely difficult to try to evaluate in the context of an interview um you know stuff like uh you know we expect people to come in and you know be, be pretty proactive um you know to take some initiative and uh you, know, you don't understand the full system so it takes a little bit of time but um, when you see a problem, you, you know, you, you try to fix it or um, you try to come up with some way, uh, decide whether it's worth fixing. Um, so, you know, initiative and willingness to work with others. And if you've got all of those, um, you know, depending on depending on your level, then, uh, you know, we'd, we'd really like to work with you. That sounds great. There's a lot of uh, a lot of non-technical uh, properties you just described. Yeah, it's a little bit harder to describe, um, you know, the technical uh, properties. Uh, I think I think like, um, you know, for experienced people, yeah, obviously we expect you to be uh, some pretty familiar with, um, you know, running multi-threaded uh, or, or reasoning by multi-threaded systems. You should, you know, you know, understand how to use a mutex, for example, and when you would do it. And um, if you're coming in with, uh, you know, less less experience, you know, we're we're, we're you know, trying to evaluate, um, you know, how, how well you think about problems and, um, you know, we kind of, kind of traditional, I think our, the, the coding problems that we do there, um, you know, we're not trying to ask quick trick questions. Um, we're, we're mostly just, it's a, you know, treat them is like a, a practical question. And, uh, how do you, how do you get to some answer and getting, getting to some answer off, often involves like, you know, uh, asking some questions, uh, playing with some examples. Um, if we see kind of all of this stuff, like even if you don't finally get to the optimal solution, um, you know, actually we, we probably still want to work with you. Nice. That sounds good. 
What is um, this? This sounds like such an HR kind of interview question, and I, I don't want it to be like that. But um, I'm interested in a thing that has formed you that was like a, a negative experience, something that, well, I'll just say something that you screwed up at, or that went wrong, or that uh, that that didn't go well um, in your capacity as a distributed distributed systems infrastructure engineer. Uh, what's a technical failure that you have grown from? Hmm. Jason yeah, says, I, I think, don't really um, do those. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've made plenty of mistakes. Uh, um, you know, um, when you write a lot of code, I think you kind of get used to it. It's um, a daily so, process of beating. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I, I think, um, you know, there, there, there are some, some cases where... Um, You've got a, um, a a problem which may, maybe you're just initially a little naive about, and um, you, you don't kind of understand um, the the full implications of of changes, and you know often they come back to come back to bite you. Um, so, and I I don't know if I I'm, I'm you know racking my brain to think of something that's uh, really specific. I, I think this is more like a um, you know something in 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 Kafka, you know, we've, we've had a lot of, um, you know, misses or, or bugs in the replication protocol, some edge cases, basically that, you know, we, th- we had thought really hard about it. We thought we had handled them. Um, then, you know, we, we, we pushed out fixes and then it's got a report, you know, sometime not too long after that saying it was, you know, there's still some problem and then had to like really kind of go back and, um, you know, uh, find, more formal ways to uh, reason about the system to just, you know, take like the human errors uh, out of the picture as much as possible. Um, I think that also just, you know, working in a community. Um, so this, this is not like actually something that technical, but just more like collaborative, um, you know, working in a community like Apache community, um, you know, you, you need to really be receptive um, to uh or, or or listen well to uh, what what people are trying to do and um, you know and, and how you communicate on on code reviews and all of this stuff is in, in important and you know if, if you if you're not kind of careful with it and you, you can really um, you know uh, people will lose and lose interest kind of in what they're doing and just uh, kind of go away and you really don't want that you you want to be um, you know make make the community friendly and um, provide feedback in in ways that are helpful. Um, so yeah, I would say early on, uh, you know, I, I think I didn't do a great job of that in some cases. Uh, I think I've gotten better. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that's something that I, I think had to learn kind of by, by oh, doing a lot of work in the, in the community. Sure. Learn, learn by, uh, uh, by trial mm-hmm. and on that, that last point, um, and even this would be a good thing to close with, um, Kafka as a community, you know, this, this is a, an Apache software foundation project that you spend a lot of your time working on. Um, how, uh, you know, what are the, what are the wins there that you've seen, uh, in terms of contributions and discussion and just, how does that, how does that go? Uh, you as an engineer, your full time is on this. What's it like to be a part of that community? Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, the, the, um, the contributions we get from the community are always great. So, uh, people are, people are running the system, you know, oftentimes we get, um, 
JIRAs, people who have spent, you know, clearly a considerable amount of, they ran into some problem and they spent a considerable amount of time uh, trying to understand how it worked and what the problem was. And um, I mean, th- those those contributions have uh, a, a huge amount of value. Um, you know, o- oftentimes we, we also kind of get the other side of it, which is, you know, someone ran into uh, a problem and, and just kind of threw it into a JIRA. Um, but, but, you know, I, I would say... It, we we do our best with those, you know, but uh, the ones that are more helpful are the ones that where people have done a lot of investigation. And we also get just um, people who are, you know, kind of expanding Kafka to uh, new use cases. And uh, new use cases often mean new features. And, uh, you know, finding a way, I think uh, uh, the, the Apache Kafka community has a nice process for, uh, you know, implementing new features. Uh, this uh, We've got Kafka improvement proposals. Um, so in, anyone can come up and write one of these. Um, and, you know, it, it may or may not get accepted. You know, you, uh, I think come if, if you have that in mind, you have to come kind of with an open eyes and, and that understand that there's there's a history of the project and what you're asking may be something which has already been thought of 10 times and been rejected 10 times right. um, there, are, there so, are leaders in the project and you may not be they <laughs> yeah that's right and and, and just there's n- the history about the you know this decisions that were made and often they were made you know just for technical reasons and you know you should spend a little bit of time uh, like re- reviewing that and seeing well have, have they thought about this before and if they have what conclusions did they reach and maybe your conclusion maybe there's something that we didn't think of or something and and you have uh, a different approach um, but yeah in, in general you know, you know um, uh, we welcome people in the community and uh, uh, we welcome the contributions and I think we get a lot of value out of it. My guest today has been Jason Gustafson. Jason, thanks for being a part of Streaming Audio. Thanks, Tim. It was my pleasure. And there you have it. I hope that was helpful to you. If you've got questions, you can ask me at at TLBerglund on Twitter. That's T-L-B-E-R-G-L-U-N-D. Or you can leave a comment on any of our YouTube videos. Your question might be featured on the next episode of Streaming Audio. And feel free to subscribe to our YouTube channel and this podcast wherever fine podcasts are sold. And if you subscribe through iTunes, be sure to leave us a review there. That helps other people discover the podcast and just generally helps us get the word out. We appreciate your support. See you next time.